ever felt like you were just getting pummeled? You know, the times when troubles and trials seem to hit on every side and you hardly have time to get over one before another comes at you. Well, today we're talking about those times and what we can learn from them. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I'm so excited to have my good friend Israel Wayne on the podcast today. Over the past year and a half or so, Israel and his family have been hit with some pretty intense trials that could have easily shaken their faith or even torn them apart. But God has been as he always is, faithful. And Israel is here to tell us what God has taught them through these trials. So whether you're currently in a difficult time or not, you'll want to listen in as Israel shares his heart with us. So stay tuned. If you haven't yet downloaded the Teach Them Diligently app, I encourage you to do so. It's a great tool for keeping up with the latest podcasts and articles, news about events, heart school, 365 resources, fun messaging groups, and more. Learn more at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash app or download it in your app store today. Now, before we get started on today's episode, here is a quick message from today's sponsor, Alpha Omega Publications. Go from online to anywhere with Monarch Online Curriculum from AOP. Prepare your child for what's possible with an online homeschool curriculum that's designed with the future in mind. Available for grades 3 through 12, Monarch gives you fully planned lessons with automatic grading, while an enriching, personalized educational experience inspires and challenges all students to reach their full potential. Plus, with one-click rescheduling, Monarch's calendar can be easily updated to fit your family's busy schedule. Start a no-risk 30-day free trial today at monarch.aop.com. So Israel, I am so glad to have you joining us today. It's always fun to hang out with you, and uh, I love to hear your heart for not only for the Lord, but also for, for people. And, and um, so I just so appreciate you. Would you tell everyone who doesn't know you yet a little bit about yourself, your ministry, and especially about your family? So I'm a homeschooled graduate. My family was one of the pioneer families back in the day. Uh, we started homeschooling in 1978. In 1988, my mother started publishing a national homeschool magazine that went on to be the nation's longest running Christian homeschool magazine. So I grew up not just in homeschooling, but kind of in the homeschool publishing business. I started working for her publication in 1993. And uh, I graduated from homeschooling in 1991. And so I was one of the earliest homeschool graduates in the country. And so I got I started getting invi invites to speak at conferences. My mom was often a keynote speaker at conferences. And they started asking me to do some teen tracks and discussion panels to give my perspective uh, as a homeschooled graduate. And so that was a great opportunity. Um, pretty soon after that, I started um, keynoting conferences myself. Um, have been speaking at conferences since 1995. Hmm. I met and married my wife, um, who was also a homeschooled graduate. Her family started in 1983. We were married in January of 99. We currently have 11 children, and our oldest is 20, and our youngest is two months. So we have uh, quite a span there, six girls and five boys. 
And uh, our ministry uh, that we founded in 2013 is called Family Renewal. And it really is kind of the umbrella for my speaking and writing ministry. Uh, my wife also writes and speaks and uh, my wife, Brooke. And so we have uh, traveled all over the country. We have been blessed to be part of the Teach Them Diligently conferences for the past 10 years, which is just amazing to me. I, I just can't believe that know, our relationship has, has been going for a decade now. Uh, but we were at the, I was a speaker at the very first Teach Them Diligently conference and have really enjoyed uh, the partnership that we have had with TTD over these years. And uh, so I'm just blessed that I've been able to uh, be full time in this for what, 28 years now wow. uh, in speaking and, and encouraging the homeschooling community. Well, and I know that when you do speak, you are able to address so many different topics. You talk about everything from homeschooling to parenting and, um, you know, even specific issues like dealing with anger. And and the Lord has just really given you a lot of insight and experience through the years that he's then also given you opportunity to put right back into play, uh, kind of laying it out there to try to help others as well. One of the things I try to do as an author and speaker is to speak from my experience. So what happens is I live through a circumstance or a situation or an experience, and I wrestle through that in my own personal life and learn how to apply scripture to that area uh, so that I actually am walking, ideally, you know, walking through that uh, in biblical truth. Mm. And, and then having had that experience myself, I then seek to help other people with what I've learned uh, with that experience. So I try to stay in my lane and not talk about things that are outside of my experience. Yep. Uh, I know a lot of people try to do that. They try to do too much and be all things to all men. And there's just some things I don't have any experience in. I, I've never been there. I've never done that. And so... Uh, I do, there are a lot of workshops I don't do because that's not my lane. Right. Uh, but but because of the fact that these are things that have been worked out in my own life first before I go talk about them on a platform or in a microphone, um, there's an authenticity, I think, that people yes. connect with and they, they feel like there's some authority behind what I'm saying. I'm not just shooting from the hip. It's not just my opinion. Um, I've actually dug deep on this and, and have been able to, to find out what does God say about this issue? And then what have I actually found that's worked in my experience? And so um, th that's been something I've always uh, endeavored to do uh, as someone who's in a teaching and leading ministry. Well, and I, I absolutely believe that that is the sense that people get. And I think that's why they flock to hear you, because they recognize that what you are sharing is points of view and insight that you've grown through, not just an academic approach to these subjects. Um, and there, you know, there's, there's room for academic approaches to things. Um, but there is, there's just a lot to be gained through listening to someone who has walked the walk and God has taught them and brought them through it um, to the other side as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to grossly paraphrase the scripture, but Paul says that we help other people with the help that we've received from God. Mm. And so I believe fully that God doesn't allow us to go through difficult circumstances or experiences unless he has a plan to fully redeem that experience for three purposes. Number one, for his glory, because everything God does is for his glory. Uh, that's his pri that's his primary motive, you know, is, is right. to glorify himself. 
But then secondly, for our ultimate good, and, and we know that from Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those that are the called according to his purpose. And it doesn't mean that all things are good that happen, mm-hmm. um, but they, they are working together to conform us into the image of Christ and to make us more like Christ. Uh, so it's for our ultimate good, even though it, it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good. And in some ways it's not good. The experience itself is not right. good, but it works together for a greater purpose. But then the third reason is always um, that we have a greater capacity for being able to understand and connect with and minister to other people. And so, you know, that, that redemption of, of knowing that whatever we go through, whether it's rebellious children, whether it's financial struggles, whether it's health issues, uh, whether it's just the, the overwhelming stress of trying to get everything done and keep all the plates spinning, that ultimately God is in those situations seeking to glorify himself, to sanctify us, and then to prepare us to be more effective in ministry to other people. Amen. I remember when I was actually when I was in college and um, serving at a camp one summer, a good friend of mine was was killed in a tragic accident. And something that the director of the camp said is as we were all grieving and, and trying to learn through it, we were all so young and trying to grapple with this. And and he said from the pulpit that the day that we were kind of learning about this, we may not always understand, but we must trust the excellent character of our God. And I have thought of that. 10 gazillion times since that day, because there are things that come into our life that we just don't understand. But the one thing that doesn't change is who God is and his love for us. And I know that uh, in in your case, you all have walked through as a family, some, some really dark, difficult situations and circumstances over the last I don't know, year and a half, two years. I'm not sure how long this is. This has all been going on. But can you share a little bit of of what kind of you guys have experienced as a family over the last little bit? Yeah, it was fascinating because 2019 was my best year ever professionally. Huh. Um, we just were hitting on all cylinders. Uh, we did just a massive conference speaking tour. Uh, we were out on the road as a family for two months. We spent, I think, 60 days out on the road in our 15-passenger van and our 14-foot travel uh, cargo trailer. And uh, we went to conferences. I was speaking in a different conference every weekend for two months. And it just felt like a whole lot of work and preparation had finally, you know, we hit our stride, so to speak, and everything was clicking. And I ended 2019 just with this sense of gratitude and a sense of thankfulness that things were just really going well. And and I told my wife, this is the best year that I've ever had in my life. Wow. And then 2020 hit. Now for everyone who remembers 2020 and even listening to this podcast years from now, uh, (laughs) you remember 2020 as being the COVID year. And of course that was difficult for us on a couple of levels. But for us, that wasn't really the big crisis. Um, For us, 2020 was the Lyme disease year. Hmm. And so we ended up having four children diagnosed with Lyme disease in one year's time. Um, Two of those were actually bitten by deer ticks and infected with Lyme disease in 2020. Um, The other two, though, had had it for for, um, our eight-year-old two years before that and our 18-year-old for six years before that. 
without being diagnosed. We'd taken wow. them to doctors and specialists and had never been able to get a diagnosis because Lyme is very elusive. A lot of doctors don't really even know to test for it. And so it ended up just being a, a year of difficulty and it started right as COVID started. And so we, we were facing a situation with our eight-year-old in particular where um, her only symptom was that her knee hurt. But uh, two years before that, her knee had swollen up unexpectedly for no reason. And we took her to the doctor and uh, I took her to the ER actually. And they said, we don't know why her knee has swollen, but there's nothing wrong with her knee. The joint is fine. There's no torn cartilage. Just sometimes children's knees just swell up for no reason. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran dad. I've had a lot of children and I know a lot of people with a lot of children. I've never heard of somebody's knee just swelling up for no reason. That's, That's you the, know, the quite random swelling size. syndrome, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it just... Um, they didn't know. And so yeah. eventually the swelling went down, but you know, every month or so she would just say, especially if she'd been outside running, she'd say, oh, my knee hurts, my knee hurts. She'd kind of be off her knee for a day or so. And, and then usually the pain would subside a little bit. But in uh, February of 2020, it just didn't go away. Hmm. And it got so bad that she couldn't put any weight on it. She couldn't walk on it anymore. So we took her to some specialists, finally ended up in a, a children's hospital in Grand Rapids. And I had to beg the doctors to test her for Lyme disease because I'd been Googling, you know, trying to yeah. figure out what causes swelling in one joint. And Lyme disease was the only thing that I could find. And so they were dismissive of it, said, well, we don't think it's Lyme, but, you know, I guess we can test if you want us to. Well, it came back that it was positive. She had huh. Lyme disease and that's what was causing the swelling in her knee. So, of course, their standard treatment is here, take antibiotics, should clear it up in a couple of weeks, no biggie. Well, what I found out later was if you have a new tick bite and it's a new acute case, then absolutely take antibiotic. It's absolutely the right thing to do. But yeah. in our situation where she'd had it for two years and, and it had already infected her joints and we didn't know this, but it already uh, infected her brain. Hmm. What happened was when she took the antibiotics, the bacteria in her body went into survival mode and just basically felt attacked and so yeah. it's it's like, okay, we're being attacked. We're going to kill this person. And so it just started attacking her in a severe way. And she started to develop neurological problems, nerve pain. She lost the ability to walk completely. She lost the use of her hands. Uh, she just basically became totally crippled. And for six to eight months, she was bedridden, couldn't feed herself with a spoon, couldn't walk, couldn't change her clothes, couldn't go use the restroom by herself, had to be carried everywhere, had to be strapped into a wheelchair anywhere she went. Um, and we were doing full-time caregiving for six to eight months. And what, what's ironic about that is I would have been gone most of that yeah. spring and summer at conferences, but COVID canceled all of them. <laughs> so I had no work. I had nowhere to go, nowhere I had to be. And so it was a double-edged sword. It was a blessing and a curse in a way because, you know, while on the one hand, um, I was able to be home to be a full-time caregiver, which I needed to be, but we also had no revenue. Right. And so anyway, as it ended up, uh, we found out that uh, our, 
our 18-year-old uh, also had had Lyme disease for about six years undiagnosed, and then two additional children. Our, our four-year-old was bitten, um, did not have the bullseye rash, uh, but a few weeks later developed a fever that hit about 103. Oof. We took her to the hospital, and they said, we, we think she has meningitis. So they rushed her to a children's hospital in Grand Rapids and uh, treated her for a couple of days as though she had meningitis. And she was so sick, she almost died in the hospital. Uh, you know, you just think about the helplessness of that as, as you're looking at this four-year-old little girl who can't defend herself, mm. especially for me as a dad. You know, we, we as men tend to be fixers. <laughs> and I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it better. I couldn't make the pain go away. I couldn't, I couldn't help her. And, you know, at a point it was just, she was vomiting blood. And I mean, I don't mean to be graphic, but I mean, we almost lost her. It was really Goodness. sad. And so it turned out that, uh, that the treatment for men meningitis, bacterial meningitis is the same as Lyme disease. They gave her antibiotics and uh, she started to improve uh, about a week later when we got her home. So praise God, at this point, um, none of our children, um, none of their lives are, are threatened at this point. Uh, three of them have completely recovered, including the eight-year-old um, who spent six to eight months not being able to walk. Wow. Our 19-year-old, we just found out, has mold and mycotoxin poisoning. And so that has led us to uh, an extensive investigation on our house. And we found out that our house is extensively mold damaged. And so as we speak right now, um, my three bathrooms are all gutted. We're going to have to rip out uh, pretty much all the floors on our main level of our house. The whole kitchen has to be ripped out. Uh, <laughs> it's just an absolute disaster. Our foundation, we had to pull out all the supporting wood under our house. Every, every floor joist, the, the main supporting beam of our house has had to be ripped out. So anyway, that was a very long-winded answer. But, but there were a lot of other things too. I mean, just within the last month, our van transmission died, our washer died, our dryer died, our dishwasher died. Like everything in our life is just spinning out of control. We just found out three of our daughters have scoliosis. Like it's just, I don't know, it's just chaos. And, yeah. and so, um, you know, but I, I know you're going to ask me a question is what have I learned from this, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't know that. You is don't that know. Do it? <laughs> Okay, so, I'll give. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> so from a philosophical standpoint, you know, that's one of the big questions that people ask. Uh, you know, is there meaning in suffering? Mm -hmm. Is there a point to it all? And, and to be honest, I know I don't like the trite cliche of, well, everything happens for a purpose. Um, I, get, I get that. I understand that. I'm not necessarily rebelling against that, but I, it, to me, it feels trite. It, it, I don't know that it ever helps anybody yeah. when someone's going through suffering and, and pain to have somebody say, well, everything happens for a purpose. But you know, I, th I think the thing that I've learned through this is, is that you have to know your theology hmm. before you get to the crisis. You have to be grounded in the knowledge of God and who he is and his character and personality before you get to something like this, or it can wreck you. Yep. And, and you have to trust his character, as you said. And there are two things that I've learned. And, and the psalmist says this again, this is kind of a, a wild paraphrase, but he says, uh, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard, uh, that you, O Lord, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. 
And it is exactly those two things that we have to know about the nature and character mm. of God if we're going to get through something like this. We have to know that he's strong, the doctrine of his omnipotence, that he's all powerful, he can do everything. But if we only knew God as strong and omnipotent, we would assume he's malevolent and that he's evil because he could have stopped this and he didn't. But when you balance that with the knowledge that God is infinitely loving hmm. and that everything that happens in our life, he's doing as a father who has infinite care for his child, you can you can accept that even though you don't understand it and if you trust his character it makes sense and so i think sometimes only people maybe who have had uh an experience as a parent um, where they know the the love that they have for their child and how they would never allow their child to go through something difficult that wasn't for their ultimate good my four-year-old didn't like being in the hospital and wanted to leave and go home you know, when she had Lyme disease, but I knew it was for her ultimate good that she get treatment. Yep. And she was, she didn't like the pain and she didn't like getting poked with needles and she didn't like them drawing blood. And, you know, she's looking at me like you could stop this <laughs> and I could have, but it wasn't for her ultimate good right. that I stop it. And so I think that's one thing that I, I just feel so increasingly burdened to communicate to other people is you need to know God before you get in one of these situations because at no point through any of this in the last year and a half have I ever questioned the goodness of God. I've never mm. questioned his character. Um, I have fully, completely, entirely trusted in his love and his mercy and his kindness. I've never, I've never accused him. I've, it's never even crossed my mind right, right. to accuse God of being unfair or unjust in this. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I actually wrote down exactly what you noted about knowing your theology before you get there, because that is so, uh, it's so important. And it seems so supernatural to have a response like you're, you're telling where you can honestly say that you haven't questioned his goodness. You, you know, all of those things that you just told us, um, really seems like it is nothing short of a supernatural response, but it is truly indicative of someone who walks closely to their father, who knows their father's heart well. Um, you know, I, even as you were talking, I was thinking, um, I encourage a, a lot of people when I speak to to build a biography of God, get in, you know, start in the Psalms, God is my what, and just really work out who God is because the Bible is, it tells us who God is. Our God wants us to know him. That is so unique um, to all these other religions where, you know, it's, it's so far off, but, but God is personal and he wants us to know him. And um, it's exciting to hear from someone who has truly walked through just valleys that are hard to imagine where you, you look and you're not sure if your babies are going to, are going to survive. Those are, those are deep, impossible valleys. And yet to hear your testimony of, of trust and understanding the goodness of God, it, it is, it's encouraging to my heart to see that when, that when you do know God so well, you really truly, when the fire is on, can trust him because of that. I think about Jesus' words in John 17, three, where he said, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And really knowing God is the most fundamental premise of all of life. 
God did not create us even primarily to work for him, you know, as, as much as that's a blessing to get right. to do that. It's ultimately knowing God is the most foundational because you can't even love God if you don't know. Right. Him. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you can't serve a God that you don't love. And so you start with this premise of knowing God. Uh, and of course, there's more to knowing God than simply knowing about God. But, but you actually do start out with just didactic information about yep. God. Just like if you're a married person, you know, certainly knowing your spouse is a lot deeper than just knowing some facts about your spouse. But initially, you had to start with knowing some details about them, knowing their name, knowing where they're yep. from, knowing, you know, just some basic information about them. And over time, you actually come to know the character of the person. It's like that with knowing God. So we have to study and we have to learn who God is and what he's like. But then when we have these situations where we go through life and we develop a relationship with him, um, we can trust him. And, and I'm not a rookie. You know, I'm not a baby Christian. Mm -hmm. um, I've had four decades of, of walking with the Lord. And so I have a track record with God and I can draw from that. And, uh, you know, other people have to develop that over time. Uh, but but studying the scriptures intensely to, to learn um, who God is and what he says about himself is is the foundation. Yep. And then yep. knowing that and having that information, it equips us, you know, kind of like Ephesians 6 with the full armor of God. It equips us then when we have to go to battle. And when, when all you know about God, you know, and you think about how God is represented on a lot of Christian television, especially, hmm. is like this genie in the bottle who exists to simply make you uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right. And people who have bought into that kind of understanding of God when struggles come their way, they don't have a way to process it. They don't have a way to understand it because their theology is skewed and their their understanding of God is false. They have a, a God that isn't the God of the Bible. You know, it's this sort of, uh, you know, Chuck E. Cheese uh, God <laughs> who's going to fulfill all your desires and make you happy. And so, you know, what we've learned as a family, too, uh, just on a practical level, is that you have to give yourself um, some margin and you, you have to, you have to, I can't think of the right word, but you have to basically give yourself um, some forgiveness for not having everything up to par. Yeah. Um, just like last night, my wife said to me at the end of the very long day, she said, I just, no matter how much I do, I can't get ahead. I can't even <laughs> get caught up. And she said, it's just so demoralizing because I feel like I go through day after day after day and I don't even get done the stuff that I want to get done in a day. And I know that's average for, for most people, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I say it to David. So <laughs> yeah, it's a common theme. Absolutely. So I think in some ways that's just life. But when you have catastrophe, yeah. yep. um, it's so much more. And so I think that while we don't want to encourage laziness, you don't want to encourage slovenliness, there is some truth to that serenity prayer idea mm -hmm. of, of saying, God, just grant me the, the grace to be able to, to, to change the things that I can change, to accept the things that I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference between yeah. the two. And there are things that we can and should change. And then there are just some things that we just don't have any control over. And you have to let those things go. Yep. And if you don't, emotionally, it'll eat you up. And I think for moms especially, they have a much more difficult time compartmentalizing 
men sometimes can compartmentalize in sort of weird ways and just be like, okay, we're completely failing in these areas of life, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Women, I think have a much harder time accepting that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the things that, that we have learned, or I have learned through the years when, um, times get rough for whatever reason, you know, um, our, our trials have looked different than yours, but they, they are, they've been there. And during those times when you're so overwhelmed, I think that as you seek God's face, he really shines a light on the things that are most important. Um, you know, there was a season when David was really struggling, um, just really being pelted. And at that season of life, for me as his wife, it was like all this other stuff just paled. And I was, I needed to be there to really support and pray with and encourage and, and be my helpmeet role was on, you know, that was like super, super woman at that point, because that's where God really needed to plug me in the most. And I think that we need to learn to listen when he does say, you know, let this other stuff go right now, you really need to focus on your child's heart. Uh, you know, you see a one of them in particular just really need you and you zero in. But if you're if everything is on the same level of importance all the time, then you're really not focusing on anything. And and that's one of the lessons that I really had to learn through through difficulty was to listen to what God was really wanting me to to prioritize and focus on in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think for me, this experience with our house has has given me a juxtaposition uh, in terms of priorities, because Jesus talks an awful lot about not being obsessed over material things. Hmm. But it's hard because, you know, the things that we own, our life does not consist of that, the scripture tells us, but the things that we own are important to us. Right. And we feel like, well, but I need a house and I need furniture and I need, and we're looking at, are we going to lose most of our belongings? Are we going to lose our house? I mean, we're, we're looking at just, you know, a lot of, of kind of traumatic things, but to be honest with the juxtaposition of looking at it saying right now at this moment, none of my children are at risk of dying hmm. and they were a year ago. Um, that, that to me puts things in a perspective that I go on one level, I don't even care about the house. I don't even care about the stuff. There's a part of me that, uh, you know, I definitely have moments where I do. But in comparison, when no. I think about it, when I back out, you know, I look at the 30,000 foot view, it's like, you know what? My wife and my children and I can walk away from this house, walk away from everything that we own. And if we're all still together and we love each other, and we love God and we love other people and we have friends and we have community. Well, how important is all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's been a weaning, you know, that the Lord's trying to do in my heart to just ask me, you know, how tightly are you clinging to all of this? And, you know, are you willing to just literally walk away from everything? Because I think in one sense, if we're not, uh, then we're a little like the rich young ruler and we have some idolatry in our heart yeah. uh, and that our possessions um, own us. And yep. so we, we literally have had to, you know, walk through having our, our children on the altar, so to speak, of saying, mm-hmm. you know, God, we don't even know if we're going to get to keep all of our children last year. Yep. Uh, and now looking at it saying, we don't know if we're going to get to keep our house. We don't know if we're going to need to keep our stuff. Um, I mean, those are big, big issues. And it definitely is a huge heart check. But I think I really have come to see in the in the grand scheme of things, 
these things that we think are so important and that we work so hard for and we invest in and put so much time and energy and emotion into, um, scripture tells us they're all going to decay. It's all going to burn up. It is not going to last. And Jesus says, don't put your treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy. My wife wants to have a um, a new a new version of that put up that says where mold, mold, mold. <laughs> kind of personalize it exactly. and internalize it a little exactly. bit. It's the same principle. It's the same principle. It could be termites or whatever else. Yeah. And uh, that's what happens. We live in a fallen world. This is a cursed world and entropy and the you know, second law of thermodynamics. Everything's winding down. Hmm. And this is not what we're here for. And so going back to what you said, what is really important from an eternal perspective? Yeah. Well, and as even as you were talking, I was thinking um, you noted about how you kind of did an inventory and you know, you still not only have your children, but you noted that that all of you still love Jesus. Um, you're still wanting to follow him. And I think that that's a huge concern for for parents. It's a natural concern when you go through difficult times that you don't lose your children's hearts through that. Um, so how have you guys found um, that that God has worked to to hopefully use this to strengthen their faith. And how has He expected you to kind of react and respond? How, what has your role been in in helping them strengthen their young faith during this? So this goes back to really what Teesum diligently is all about, right? The discipleship of our children. And what did Jesus say about discipleship? He said that when a student is fully trained, he will become like his teacher. Hmm. So we teach in two ways. We teach by didactic instruction, didactic instruction, where we're teaching them, you know, line by line, precept by precept, premise by premise, uh, where we're we're teaching them and instructing them, uh, giving them a biblical theology of life. So we have to do that, and we are doing that, but. You know, more is caught than taught in parenting, and they listen to what you say, but they watch how you live. Yeah. Yep. And if we as parents are panicked, and if we're afraid, and if we are uh, responding in anger or frustration or whatever, I mean, that, that really is the test of your faith. I think one of the clearest examples of what your faith actually looks like is is what happens to you when you get bumped. Hmm. And so our children watch for that and they, they observe our ways. And, you know, you think about in Proverbs where it says, uh, my son, give me your heart, uh, observe my ways. Um, boy, that's kind of scary, isn't it? You know, sometimes <laughs> I think as parents, we don't want to say observe my ways. We want to say, do what I say, not as I do. Um, but I, I really believe that our children are going to take their cues from their parents. And if their parents have confidence in the goodness of God and are trusting God, um, they're going to feel safe. They're going to feel, I think they're going to feel as safe and confident as their parents feel safe and confident. I yeah. think they will, they will rise to that. They'll match that. If they recognize my parents are afraid, my parents are paranoid, they're stressed out, they're in fear and terror, dread, whatever, they're going to match that. And so it really is so important that, you know, going back to that Deuteronomy 6 passage on which, you know, the whole teach them diligently model is based, this law which I give you this day shall be on your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts. And Absolutely. We, we jump ahead to the teach them diligently part, yep. which is good, but you can't, you can't give somebody what you don't have. Yes. 
And so you have to own something before you can give it as a gift to somebody else. And so it really does come down to making sure that we're spending enough time ourselves um, in our own spiritual disciplines, our time with the Lord, time in the word, time in prayer, that we do it as a family. We do it individually as parents. We do it as a family. And, and I just know so many families that skip over that. They run past that because you got to teach math and science and physics and geography. Yeah, you know, but those things are means. They're not ends. Exactly. Knowing God is the end. And those are means towards knowing God yep. and being equipped for life. But I just know people are like, well, we don't have time for all that stuff because we got to get the schoolwork done. Man, you got to know why you're doing this. Exactly. And, um, you can't just skip. You can't just live a spiritually deficient life and figure out, figure that you're going to make that up by teaching a bunch of academics and it's all going to pan out. It won't. Right. Right. Well, and another thing that, that we found so helpful through the years for uh, just as a discipleship tool is honestly <laughs> admitting where we fail, admitting the times that we are scared and stressed and we act accordingly. Um, and really talking to our kids about how God is growing us through those times because they know we're not perfect. They they know that we struggle, but when we help them see, okay, I struggled and this is how God is working in my heart, um, it's a it's a massive teaching opportunity with our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, they, they see it. You, you can't, how can I put it? You, they live with us, right? right? <laughs> they see us. Uh, and so I think nobody knows us as well as our children. In fact, sometimes like our children know us better than we know yep. ourselves because we, we have an image of ourselves that we, we <laughs> like to think of ourselves a certain way. I think our children sometimes see us a lot more accurately than we even see ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, being, just being open and, and also having conversations where, you allow them to express their concerns and their fears and uh, allow them to to feel as though they're allowed to speak up right. and to say something in the family without being shot down. And, you know, if, if they're struggling with something, that the, that the family is a safe place right. uh, and that we're all in this together. My, my wife just said today, she said, I really want to impress on our children that um, we're a team. And that we're going to get through this together, but we all need to pull together. We need to work together. We need to work as a team. And um, I, I think that's so important. I think they need to know that they're a valued member of the team and, and that we're all, we, we all have each other's back, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and also letting them ask questions that horrify us sometimes, you know, as they're growing, my kids have certainly asked questions that I smart at because they it, it it's a sincere question but from my vantage point it's it's dangerous it's you know ah oh. but to allow them to actually ask those questions that are hard and difficult and then help them build up a foundation that gives them the answer for that it's going to strengthen them so much more in the days ahead than not having those conversations or having them take those questions that we smart at to someone else or finding it on the internet or something else so um, I think that, that like you noted, that safe place, that that true interaction, that true conversation as they get older is super important for building their faith and helping them know and understand God better. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's been in, inspiring to see how our children have been able to walk through these difficulties, I think, with their faith very much intact mm -hmm. Um, to, again, not, not be questioning the goodness of God through it, to have 
have moments, you know, of uh, like with my, my eight year old, um, she was such a trooper and, you know, she had days where she just cried all day mm. and I would, cause it hurt so bad. She just had so much pain and the painkillers weren't helping. And I just hold her and, and just, you know, try to just comfort her as best as I could. Um, and, and it was, it was interesting to see that in all the expression of it hurts, it hurts, you know, and not being able to do anything to make it stop. Um, she never wait, you know, she, she has a very strong faith and she never wavered in her faith. Hmm. Um, she did again, she, I don't think it ever occurred to her to think ill of God yeah. <laughs> in the midst yeah. of this. Um, and she, she, she didn't accept the pain, you know, and especially in physical therapy. I mean, she had to fight really hard to learn how to walk again. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, she, she didn't just accept her situation, but I think from an emotional place, she also didn't, she didn't question it in an unhealthy way. Um, and, you know, I think, again, that part of that is just that we we were intentional yeah. about walking through that. And we, we've told our children, too, that like, hey, if you need to talk to somebody who's not even part of our family. In fact, there was one time with her when we did. There's a, a dear sister in our church who's a, a good friend of my my wife. And she's a homeschool mom. And she got on Zoom one day and talked to our eight-year-old and just had a conversation and just said, mm. how are you coping with this? And, you know, can you tell me how you feel about this? How are you processing this? And it's just such a blessing to have the body of Christ come alongside Amen. too. And to not feel as though as a family, like, oh, we have to just muscle through this all on our own because we're an army of one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's humbling to, you know, have to allow the, the, the body, the church to come alongside of you. And help you because I like to be the helper. I don't like to right. be the person being helped. But at the same point, what a blessing it was for our daughter to be ministered to by another sister in the church who who's a mom that she, you know, has girls my daughter's age and that, that my daughter respects. And hmm. you know, anyway, th those are things that we learned too, is like you have to allow people to help you and you can't just be uh, a lone soldier out there trying to slug it out on your own. That right. we weren't made we weren't made for that. Well, that's the thing. God created us as a body to work together. And, um, you know, I was thinking of Galatians where we're told to bear one another's burdens. That's not just good for the person whose burdens you're bearing, but that is a wonderful opportunity for for those of us who aren't going through trials or or have special needs at that point to to minister and to give. We get great joy in that or you know, we're designed to get great joy in that. Um and so that is, it's exciting to see when the body works the way it was designed to. Um, I We are just about out of time, but I did want to to ask you, since you had brought up community, um, you know, you, we, we uh, give a lot of, or throw a lot of shade at social media and rightfully so, I think. But one of the really great things about social media is we are able to share with people all around the world. Um, things that God is doing as we celebrate, but also as we ask God or ask for prayer and, and you know, share our needs. And, and there's a kind of a humility, like you said, that comes in with that when uh, you don't want to be on the receiving end. <laughs> we don't want to you don't want to admit that there are things that you need prayer about. But but putting all that out there gives opportunity for God to be glorified as the body does what it's supposed to do. Um, so I just I wanted to to just give you a second to to tell us how how the body at large and and specifically some people that you know well have have 
come together to help your family. Um, I know Mike Mike Ferris with HSLDA has specifically uh, set up a GoFundMe that many, many have gotten involved in. That, and that's one of the most exciting things I've seen uh, because it's such a physical, tangible way to help you guys out during this time. It was such a blessing. Uh, we've had so many people that have offered just prayers and support and encouragement. Mike Ferris felt specifically led to open a Go, GoFundMe for our family for both um, the house remediation issues as well as some ongoing health concerns that we have with particularly our 19-year-old daughter who has mold and mycotoxin poisoning. And um, that GoFundMe uh, is, is available. I, I guess uh, you could look it up, uh, you know, Israel and Brooke Wayne, or maybe you can put a link somewhere in the yeah, show. I'll notes. put a link in the show notes so that anyone who wants to participate in that can, or even just to see how how richly God is working through this. It's amazing. Absolutely. And so it's really helped us because our, our expenses have, I was, I was telling you before the show, um, we've spent $50,000 uh, just on the, the roof and the, the foundation, and we're not even done the foundation yet. And we have not even really gotten into the, the interior remediation, hmm. which is extensive in our house. And so, you know, it's a big project, um, very costly. And so, um, but but to see, and then he called for an evening of prayer as well with some of yeah. our close friends, yeah. uh, including some of the speakers uh, that are part of the Teach Him Diligently um, group like um, Bradley Pierce and from Heritage Defense and Dennis mm -hmm. Gunderson of Grace and Truth and and some others um, and so it's just been a, a great blessing um, to to see the body of Christ come around us and have so many people just even write to us I, I had a note today that somebody sent me and they said I heard you speak um, and teach them diligently in Ohio uh, years ago. And it was our very first homeschool conference. And one of the very first sessions that we went to hear was you speaking on socialization. Hmm. And he said, my wife and I came out of there just speechless. And it really set us on a trajectory uh, where we decided to homeschool and we've been on this path and it's been life changing for us. And so he just said, hey, I just want to thank you for the investment you've made in our family through your ministry. We, we want to help you financially. We've been blessed and we, we want to bless you as well. And so that just came through this morning. So it's been a lot Thanks of things God. like that of people just sharing um, love and encouragement and support. So it's been so encouraging for us to to see God's people giving back to us. It's yeah. humbling. It's humbling, but it's it's rewarding as well. Well, and it just, it really reinforces. And we, we see God's goodness in a very different, unexpected way. That way he's, he's meeting your needs in a way that you would have never, you would have never even thought to ask for. And yet God in his graciousness and his goodness is, is really truly sending just good and perfect gifts your way. And we are, we are very, very thankful. Um, you know, David and I have prayed a lot for you guys over the last year and a half. And, um, just to see that, first of all, your, your kids are doing so much better and, and that people are coming along and, and, um, just out, out of hearts of gratitude for how God has used you in their lives. They're able now to participate in your ministry and in your family and in a very tangible way. And, and that is good. That is just exciting. And so if any of you guys want to learn more about that, check out the show notes with the podcast um, and I'll link that there. Um, but it, I'm, I'm just really, really grateful with the way that God is working through this and through the body at large to, to encourage your family at this time. 
Yeah, amen. And you guys have been such a blessing. Uh, you and David, our working relationship has been so wonderful. And I, I would encourage people if they want to try to connect with us. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm actually on all the social media stuff. So you can just look up Israel Wayne or Family Renewal. And then our website for our ministry is familyrenewal.org. And if there's any way that we can be praying for you or that we can uh, help, I mean, I do a lot of, I'm not a professional counselor, but I, I talk to people all the time. Uh, just working with a couple right now is going through some marriage issues and uh, a lot of parenting questions that we get. And so mm -hmm. feel free to connect with us on social media where there's a contact page through our familyrenewal.org website. Um, that's what we do. We're here to minister to families. So if there's a way we can serve you, please reach out. Yep, yep. Well, Israel, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great joy to talk to you. Thank you, Leslie. God bless. And for everybody else, thank you for hanging out with us as well. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.